May sure. I just have a seat right yeah. here. Okay. Thank you. And just look right into the camera. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Oh, cool. Well, you know, I've really been wanting to talk to you guys because this is a very difficult time. I mean, the whole country is under a lot of stress, and I think each one of us are too, no matter what our circumstances. This is difficult, and I just wanted to encourage you. You know, God is faithful. No matter what our circumstances look like, we can know that He is caring for us. He takes care of us. That's what the Bible says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. We can trust Him. That's what the Word of God says. He will make our path straight as we trust Him. You know, there's a lot of stress out there, and you know what? It could really seem like there's a lot of resistance in this world. What's going on here? Hey, hey, I can, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, this is impossible. I can't do this. And another thing. Listen, just cut this out. Can you just stop it? Oh, man, this is impossible. I give up. I just give up. Okay, Jody, just come right over here. Okay, thank you. Have you. A seat. Thank you. I'm gonna give you that. <gasps> ooh, thank. Ooh, that's really nice and warm. Thank you. Thank you. Just look in the camera. Mm. We'll get started. Okay. Well, I just wanted to remind everybody that, you know, there are a lot of really hurting people out there, and this is such a great time for us to really practice being loving and being kind. And for example, the other day I was driving through a, a drive through at a coffee shop, and the barista handed me my coffee, and I just said, hey, how are you today? How are you doing? And I just, I realized that, you know, I don't know what's going on in this person's that funny? <laughs> well, isn't that the case? You know, you, you're, you're going about your day and you're just kind of living life and then all of a sudden, boom, coronavirus or something. You know, it, it's been almost three months. Do you realize that? It's been almost three months and there have been so many changes that have happened to people. Many of them uh, include changes that we don't necessarily like. I, I've, been, I've been asking the Lord, please, Please help me to become more of what you want me to be, and I hope that's your prayer too. Uh, many people have experienced uh, what is called the COVID-19. That's like packing it on, like, uh, you know, gaining a lot of weight. So today I'm going to talk about bodybuilding, but it's not the kind of bodybuilding you're thinking of. Art, are you somewhere around here? Art, are you in this room? I want to talk to you about the process, the physical process of bodybuilding and how it relates to what the Bible says about building the body of Christ, because there actually are a lot of similarities. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever actually gone to the gym. Um, there's a whole culture. There's a whole bunch of people. We call them gym rats. And these are people who, who regularly go to the gym, and some of them actually even work out. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of people. We call them the mandible builders. That's this, this, uh, this muscle right here. You know, they just stand there and talk the whole time. Some of them are the know-it-alls. They want to come and tell everyone how to work out. Some of them are the, the, the doing-it-wrong people, you know. 
there was one comedian who said, excuse me, sir, could you get out of the painter's scaffolding? You know, there are certain areas where people just, they just don't know what they're doing. And then there are people who are just so intense that it makes you feel like, like you look better because you watch them work out and you're like, man, this, it doesn't look that hard. But building the body of Christ is a much better process. It's a much easier process. But the interesting thing about bodybuilding is that one of the things that is necessary before you can build muscle is that you actually have to tear the muscle down. And what I believe is right now, that is what is happening in the body of Christ. You know, the Lord knew before the foundations of the earth that we were going to have the coronavirus. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that the churches were going to be shut down. I was just in Los Angeles this week at some meetings, and a dear friend of mine, Robbie Booth, was telling me that he was at an actual meeting back in November where someone gave a prophetic word. How many still believe that God speaks today to his children? Someone had given a prophetic word, and it said exactly something is going to take place and the churches are going to have to shut down and the churches are going to have to relearn everything. Isn't this amazing? This was back in November. And look what happened. I mean, you know, David Wilkerson actually even prophesied that back in the 70s, that, that the churches were going to shut down, things were going to shut down. But I believe the Lord is doing something super deep in every one of us, but there's that process first of breaking down that has to take place first. And the Bible talks in Joel chapter 2. This is about a, a period of time where, the, where, where people were being broken down. But the Lord came with this promise. In Joel chapter 2, he says, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. It's hard sometimes for us to believe that God, we just sang it, God is good. You are good, 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 good. God is good. But like Arthur prayed, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't seem that way. I mean, we, we look and we say, Lord, couldn't you have stopped some of these riots or couldn't you have stopped the coronavirus or, or all of these, these tragedies that are taking place in our midst? But it says here that the Lord sent this great dis destroying army against us. And I think, I think, you know, that I don't know why they have the four different types of locusts, but there are apparently different kinds of locusts. But I know there are different kinds of trials, are there not? There are those trials, that, those perpetual things that they keep bothering you. They, it's, this, it's the thing where you're just like, when am I ever going to get around this? When am I ever going to be over this? And then there are other trials and they just, they just rob you. They rob you of your joy. They rob you of relationships. Sometimes they rob you of money, maybe of health. There are other kinds of, of trials that, you know, you get surprised. Something happens and you're surprised and it just radically changes your life. Kind of like that day, March 2nd. Do you remember where you were when you heard that they had sent all of the fans home from the jazz game? I will never forget that. It was like, what? And then everything began to unfold. And to me, it was so surreal. Wasn't it surreal? It was like, wow, this is like a horror movie. When are we going to wake up? But 
think of all the things that the Lord wants to do in each of our hearts. And that's, that's really the place where we need to get so that he can really, when we do come back together, when we can assemble all together, it's going to be epic. And I really believe God is strengthening us. He's, he's breaking down those muscles now so that he can build them back up as we give ourselves over to him. By the way, I wanted to say, uh, Noah had mentioned to sign up um, just once a month. You can actually, if you're, if you're here today, we would like you to prefer others and let other people sign up, but but we're going to start to open things up a little more as the state opens up. Down in Los Angeles County, it is really weird. It's so closed. Everybody has a mask on. And if you don't have a mask on, they will glare at you. Some people will even say something to you. It's, it's really intense. So when I flew in yesterday and went out to a restaurant and there were all these people, nobody had masks. You know what I hate about the mask? I hate the fact you can't see people smile. I just hate that. I shouldn't say hate. I shouldn't say the word hate. Sorry. I don't like that. <laughs> I like to see people smile. So when I was at the airport, I would walk by and smile at people. <laughs> they were ready to arrest me and take me to the, the home. Um, but anyway, so, so the Lord says, he says, in verse 26, he says, once again, you will have all the food you want and you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Amen? It says, then you will know that I am among my people Israel, that I am the Lord your God. There is no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. Then after doing all these things, here's a promise. He says, I will pour out my spirit. Ooh, you sense that right now? The presence of the Holy Spirit. Wow. He has promised he's going to pour out his spirit. We have not gone through this trial for nothing, guys. We have gone through this trial so that the Lord can demonstrate his faithfulness. He is going to pour out his spirit on the people that qualify. Is that what it says? It says he's going to pour out his spirit on whom? All people. He is going to pour out his spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I was talking to Robbie about this. I said, I like the part about the old men getting to dream dreams because that means you get to sleep. <laughs> but this doesn't really mean necessarily that it's, that it's just for a season. What this is saying is that he's going to pour out his spirit on all people. In other words, you're not too young for God to pour out his spirit on you. And you're not too old. You're not past your prime. As a matter of fact, it says in the Psalms that you're going to produce even more fruit as you get older, as you become wiser, and as you surrender yourself more to the Lord. But here it says, in those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on servants, both men and women alike. Isn't this great news? Now, lest you think this is just Old Testament, it also says it again on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 16. It says, no, what was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel, verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. 
Remember what prophesy means. Prophesy doesn't necessarily just mean predicting the future, but what prophesy means is to speak the word of the Lord, to speak truth. He is promising that we, every single one of us, is going to be able to speak the word of the Lord, that he is going to pour out his spirit And we are going to be able to prophesy. Again, young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women, and they will prophesy. Turn to the person next to you and say, we will prophesy. It says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So how? So we've gone through that breaking down the coronavirus breakdown. But now it's time for breakthrough. It's time to break through into what God has for you. And I believe I am speaking to each and every person who calls himself by the name of Jesus. This isn't just for the select few. This isn't just for the people that you think are the ones who are qualified. This is for everybody who names the name of Jesus. Amen? And that means you. He wants to pour out his spirit on you. Nudge the person next to you, if you have somebody next to you. If you're social distancing, just nudge yourself or something. (laughs) Don't hurt yourself. So how is this going to happen? Well, fortunately, the Bible gives us the formula. And it says in Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 11, it says, I want you to get this. Listen to this. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Okay, now, if Jesus is going to give you a gift, it's, you know it's going to be amazing. Jesus doesn't give bad gifts. He only gives the perfect gift. For those of you who have the love language of gift giving, Jesus is the perfect gift giver. He's the, you don't want to take it back. You don't want to exchange it. These are the gifts that he, he has given to his church. And it says later on, this is for the building up of the church, but, but these are the people These are the gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, which is what? The body of Christ. Some people call this the five-fold ministry. We've already talked about the prophets and the teachers, but today we're going to talk about the other three, the apostles. And I think I think the closest thing to apostle these days would be maybe like a a church planter. I would say Kevin Kligman, who is our pastor in the Philippines, is an apostle. He goes into these crazy places where other people just question, why would you ever plant a church there? And Kevin plants churches there, and the Lord pours out his spirit there. That's what an apostle is. A means apart or away from. Post means a position or a, a station. An apostle goes out. So that's kind of maybe, maybe um, what some of you are called to. You know, maybe you are apostles. You're called to plant churches. Maybe you're called to go out and start a new work. Kind of the entrepreneurs of the body of Christ. And then the next one is the prophets, which we talked about. And then the evangelists. What evangelist? Evangelist has gotten a bad name because of TV evangelists. You know, you've seen the meme where it says, and suddenly your pastor is a TV evangelist. <laughs> so apparently that's what I am. But evangelist just means somebody that brings the good news. 
somebody that brings the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for our sins, that we can have eternal life, that we can be born again. That is what evangelists do. And evangelists cannot stop doing that. You know, my husband was the extreme, extreme evangelist. Every time he was late for dinner, I knew exactly what was happening. He was, he was sharing Jesus with someone. At first I would get mad. I'm like, why isn't he home for dinner? And then, then I realized, oh, he is sharing Jesus with someone. And usually he would end up leading them to Christ. He had a, a gift of evangelism. There's many people that are part of this church even today as a result of, of Eric praying for them and sharing the the good news of Jesus with them. Now, this is a gift. He had the gift of evangelism, but not, not everyone has the gift, but we're all called, it says in the word, to do the work of an evangelist. And I believe that's this part where, where we will all prophesy. Every one of us will prophesy. How many of you want to do that? You want to speak the word of the Lord. You want to be able to see walls come down. You want to see people set free. You want to see people saved and delivered and healed, even healed of physical things or emotional things or, or even bondages. You know, I've seen it happen so many times. Jesus wants to pour out his spirit on all people. It says here that the responsibility of Oh, I, oh, wait, let me go back. The pastors. Now, there's a, some people put pastors and teachers together. And a lot of times, people who have the gift of pastoring will also have the gift of teaching, but not always. Because I've known some teachers that were definitely not pastors. <laughs> you know, in other words, they didn't have a lot of mercy. They weren't very compassionate. They just wanted to teach. They wanted people to understand the truth of the Word of God. And then I've seen other pastors who weren't necessarily teachers, if you know what I'm saying. So they're different gifts. Pastor means shepherd. And Jesus was the greatest shepherd. As a matter of fact, all of these five gifts encapsulate who Jesus Christ was when he was on the earth. And, and none of us can do this alone. Nobody can do this by themselves. You might have one or more of these gifts, but ultimately we need each other. And that is the point that he's trying to make here because he's saying that the pastors are to shepherd the people, but then the teachers are to teach the people the truths of the word of God. And here it says that their responsibility is not to do the works of the ministry, but to equip others to do the works of the ministry. That's what these five ministries do. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their job is to to equip others to do the works of the ministry so that each and every person who is called by the name of Jesus is working in the function for which they were created. And that is my life mission right there, is to see people released into what Jesus has called them to do and to be. I care about very little else than seeing God glorified through releasing his people to be who they're supposed to be, fully who they're supposed to be. But the point of this is that it's their job to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church. You know, there's the tearing down of the muscles, but then through resting, then there's the building up of the body of Christ. We need one another. We need each other. If you ever see some Lone Ranger Christian, 
you know that they are not in God's will because God's will is that we would all be together, that we would all function together, that all the one another's, you know, love one another, forgive one another, serve one another, encourage one another, all the one another's have to do with relationship. It's all about relationship. First, this one, the relationship between us and our maker, but then it's about relationship with other people. Some people say that, that that's like the cross, you know, that the main relationship is between us and the, and the Father in heaven, but then, then the, the other relationships are between us and other people. You cannot be a Lone Ranger Christian. You can't. It's not possible. If you want to fulfill the purpose in your life, you have to be connected to other people. And that's what Jesus is, is calling us to do in this passage. Verse 13, it says, This will continue, the building up of the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and our knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. We cannot be mature in the Lord without being in relationship with other people. We can't be mature in the Lord unless we have given ourselves over to doing what God has called us to do. You can never become mature. As a matter of fact, if you're not serving other people, you really need to question if you really know Jesus. Because Jesus was the servant of all. He says the greatest among us is the servant of all. Jesus modeled that for us when he washed the feet. But it says that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring to the full and complete standard of Christ. The standard of Christ is that we would be unified and that we would all be released to be who we're called to be. You know that the hard thing for a lot of people is that your gift is not going to look like someone else's gift. Your gift is going to look unique. So you're not going to see it anywhere else. You're not going to be able to look at someone else and go, oh, I want to be just like that person. You can only look in the mirror and go, I want to be fully who that person was created to be. And as you offer yourself to Jesus and give yourself to him and read his word, read the Bible, get involved with other relationships with other people who love Jesus, that is where you're going to be released. That is where you're going to become mature. And it says here, then we will measure to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like little children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. You know, one of the signs of immaturity for Christians is that they have to have the latest and greatest high. You know, they have to, oh, they're going to go to this seminar. That's going to be the thing. Or they're going to go to this, you know, event or whatever. That is not what it's about. You know, with bodybuilding, you can't just go in once a year and work out really hard and get fit. It has to come through repetition. has to come through consistency through working out on a regular basis. That's how you get fit. That's how you get built up. And it's the same with our walk with the Lord. You have to be consistent with your walk with Jesus. And I'm not, I, I was going to say I'm not trying to preach. I, I guess I kind of am. But <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to say there is a life beyond whatever it is that you're living right now. And it comes through full and complete surrender to Jesus. That is when you will become mature and complete. And like it says in James, not lacking anything. 
It says, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. You know, there's been a lot of crazy new teachings. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've seen some crazy stuff, crazy, crazy stuff. And I'm not going to go into it because I don't want to offend anyone. (laughs) But let me just say, not everything that people say is the Spirit of the Lord is necessarily the Spirit of the Lord. The Bible says we need to test the Spirit's and see that they're from God. Make sure that you understand if something really truly is from God, and don't give in to the every wind of doctrine, every wind of teaching. It says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us, get this now, with lies so clever that they sound like truth. You know, when you're firmly rooted in Jesus, and you have people around you that can correct you and can say, hey, I don't know if that's really what that scripture means. Or, you know, or, hey, so the way you were talking to your husband wasn't very kind, wasn't very Christ-like. Or if you don't have someone in your life that can say no to you, you're kind of walking in a really dangerous place. We all need someone that can say no to us and will listen. You know, that's, that's our safety net. Because otherwise, it, we can be given into all these crazy teachings and we'll start to believe lies that are so clever that they sound like truth. Make sure you have somebody in your life you can say, hey, is this, do you think this is the spirit of the Lord? Do you think this is true? Make, make sure that's, a, that's really a place of safety for us. But it says instead of giving in to all these crazy doctrines and crazy teachings, it says we will speak the truth in love. Both of those are equally important. Speaking the truth, but doing so in love. In other words, you don't just blast someone with the truth if your motivation in your heart is not for that person. It's not to love them. It always needs to be for building others up according to their needs, that it can benefit that person. It says here, we can be growing every way more and more like Jesus, who's the head of his body, the church. Don't you want to look like Jesus? You know, I think about what Jesus might have looked like. You know, it says that he had no, uh, no beauty that would attract us to him. But I do think he probably was buff. You know, he was a carpenter. I mean, those guys, you know, they... He was probably ripped. He was probably carved. (laughs) He did the juicy pump. (laughs) I just think Jesus was was probably super strong in his physical body just because of of what he did. But don't you want to look like him? Not just physically, but don't you want to be someone where people look at you and say, what is it about you? You're so You're so different than anyone I've ever met. What is it? Don't you want people to ask you? Man, I love it when people say to me, I I think you probably, you, you grew up in the church, didn't you? Which I didn't really necessarily. I mean, I grew up going to church, but I didn't grow up really reading the word and studying the word and understanding the word of God. Don't you want people to wonder what it is about you? Not because you're a weirdo, but because you're so Christ-like. That's the goal, is that we would be 
built up, that we would grow so that we look like him, that we would, in every way we're more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And it says here, and this is such a relief, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. In other words, if every single one of us is functioning in what we were created to do and to be, then the body of Christ can become exactly what Jesus intended for it to become on the earth. Because it's not right now. The body of Christ has not been the example of Jesus on the earth. And that is why I believe God is really working in us. I really believe God is trying to, to get rid of a lot of that stuff in us that, that doesn't look like Jesus. Through the whole coronavirus, it says, he makes a whole body fit together perfectly and as each part, turn to the person next to you and go, she's talking to you. You guys aren't doing it. <laughs> as each part, each and every part. In other words, the body of Christ cannot look like the body of Christ is supposed to look if you're not doing your part for whatever reason, whether it is because you're lazy, and, and I'm not trying to be hard on you, but or if it's because you feel unworthy. Maybe you've dealt with a lot of trauma in your life and you don't, you don't know how to proceed we have so many people that want to walk with you and want to help you to become everything God has called you to be. That is what the Adventure Church stands for, is to release people, no matter what their age, no matter what their ethnicity, no matter what their gender, no matter what their station in life, to be released, to look like Jesus has called you to look, as each part does its own special work. This is that unique thing. It's not going to look like anybody else's. It's not going to look, I mean, I can only, you know, I've been me most of my life, and I can only be me. I'm the best me on the face of the earth. There's no other me, and there's no other you that's as good a you as you are. You are the best you, and Jesus made you to be who you are because he wants to use you for his, and I don't mean use as in violate. Jesus wants to release you to become who he's called you to be. He has purpose. Jesus has a purpose for your life. Can you just say that to yourself? Say, Jesus has a purpose for my life. I want you to say that again because I know some of you are struggling to say it. Say, Jesus has a purpose for my life. I want you to say, Jesus, I receive that purpose. Jesus, I want to walk in that purpose. I want to look like you, Jesus. I want to do my own special work in you. It says that when this happens, it helps all the other parts grow. So if, if you're missing, the other parts aren't going to be able to become who they are. See, this whole thing works so great. And it says each part does its special work. It helps, helps the other parts grow so that the body can be healthy and growing and full of love. You know, when I was in L.A., um, I was going from LAX um, to a certain location, and I had a Lyft driver, and, uh, you know, they show you when you... Either you get your Uber or your Lyft, and they show you a picture of the person. They tell how many stars they have. They tell you what kind of car they have. So I had this guy, and his name was Gerald. 
and he had five stars, which is always good. You always want the ones with the five stars. <laughs> and, and, I, and when he got out to put my suitcase in the back, I said, are you Gerald with five stars? And he said, yes, I am. And he was this huge 62-year-old black man. And so I got in his car, and this is when all this stuff is going on, all the riots and the looting and the, just all the tragedy that's going on in our country and throughout the world. And I said, Gerald, can we talk about race? He goes, ah, I don't know. I don't know if you can handle it. I said, I want to talk about it. I said, I want to have a real conversation with you. I want to know. I want to know your story. I want to know what's happened to you in your life as a black man. And he proceeded to tell me some stories. And he said, you know, I've always been a law-abiding citizen. He said, I've been stopped so many times just because. He goes, I've had the talk with my own sons about you just put your hands on the wheel. I mean, he told me some heartbreaking things. But you know, in this 30-minute ride with Gerald, we had a total bonding moment. And, and we cried together, and I was able to pray over him. It, it turns out he was a believer in Jesus. He was a deacon in his church. And he and I got to pray together, and I got to pray this prayer. We're going to sing the song, The Blessing. But I got to pray this prayer over him. And I just want to encourage you, as you are going about your day, speak blessings on the people around you. That's part of what we're called to. That's part of our special work. You know, we talked last week in Romans 12 about bless and do not curse. We're supposed to bless. Bless people so that the whole body can be healthy and growing and full of love. You know, one of the things Gerald and I talked about, I said, it doesn't matter if we change people's minds. We have to change people's hearts. And the only way people's hearts can be changed is through the love of Jesus. Jesus is our only hope. And that is why he's allowed us to be broken down. He's allowed our muscles to be broken down so that he can build them back up. So that the body of Christ can be fit and strong and healthy and growing and full of love. Amen? Isn't that what you want? Then every one of us, every one of us has that special gift, that special work, that special purpose. And if you don't know what that is, man, Jesus longs to show it to you. He wants to show you who you are in him. And so as we sing this next song, I want you to receive this blessing to yourself and to be praying this over the people in your life that you love and care for. So can we sing this song, The Blessing? This is taken from Numbers chapter 6, starting with verse 24. This is like, I think this is a prophetic song right now. So God bless you. And by the way, sign up online and you don't have to be limited to once a month. If things don't fill up, you're welcome to sign up. Love seeing you here. Love seeing the people here. And for those of you at home, I can't wait to hug you. God bless you.